Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, your host, Johnny McFarlane. Joining me today, as ever, is Scott McDermott and also a special guest, a blast from the past. He's been moaning about not getting on the podcast. So here he is in all his glory. <laughs> it's Mr. Mark McDougall. Welcome, Dukes. All right, sorry. Like a phoenix from the flames, you are back. That's <laughs> been a while, so quite time to have the thing. He sounds so enthusiastic as well, doesn't he? He, Always, always. Anyway, moving swiftly on to Rangers Matters, what are we going to be talking about on the podcast today? Well, there are plenty of issues to get through, not least the fallout from the EGM that went against Rangers, and of course, the plethora of your questions that we have received on social media. Before we get started, though, I just want you to make you aware of a new newsletter that we are doing at The Daily Record. If you go to www.dailyrecord.co.uk forward slash newsletters, you will be able to pop your email address into that site there, and you will get a bespoke newsletter sent to your address about everything to do with Rangers, all the latest news and stories sent directly to you before midday each day. So that is a great way to keep on top of everything that's happening just now, because let's face it, you blink and you miss half a dozen things, guys. Now, Scott, let's have a brief overview. I'm going to try and go through this step by step. AGM takes place on, we are now Thursday. This is Tuesday the AGM takes place. And Rangers are, I think, looking at it before it happens, thinking, that they've got a bit more support that perhaps at one stage you might have been expecting. Uh, In the end, though, it's 13 clubs that vote for their resolution for an independent investigation, 27 vote against and two abstain. That means that Rangers get around a third of clubs backing their call, which, uh, let's face it, I think that is fairly damning for the SPFL. I mean, they might come out of this saying that that's a... That's a, a pretty big victory for them. But but when you drill into the detail of it, if you're a company and one third of your shareholders wants to see an independent investigation of how things have been handled, it's difficult to be too triumphalist about that. Now, listen, Rangers come out after that to give a, a brief statement by the standards of things that have gone out in the last little while. Uh, and the longest shot of it is that they've basically said the status quo will not stand. It cannot stand. Um, where do we go from here, Scottish football-wise, Scott, to, to heal the divisions that have taken place? Can these divisions actually even be healed? Uh, I think it's going to be difficult, Johnny. I think it'll be a long road in terms of Scottish football as a whole, healing the, the divisions. Um 
know, this whole process, everything that we've experienced in the last few weeks has been very, very divisive as a as a whole for the whole game. Um, in terms of the vote, I don't think anyone really expected Rangers to get the required amount, um, the seventy five percent that they needed. No, they pro- they might be slightly disappointed they didn't get get more, but as you say, when you really drill into the detail. When you look at six of the clubs, obviously voted no, were, uh, had representation on the SPFL board. There was a couple of uh, abstentions as well. So, no, I, you're right. People will people will look at this and say, you no, know, Rangers have been defeated. It's a it's a loss for them. Um, I don't see it that way at all. I actually think that Rangers have made uh, steady progress with this. Um, I think. They now have garnered a lot more support within Scottish football than they had uh, six weeks ago. I think, in general, the evidence that they produced, um, while we predicted there wouldn't be a big, uh, no, there wouldn't be that smoking gun um, that would shock everyone. I think there was enough there that it certainly deserved to be looked at, and it certainly cast enough doubt on the kind of governance of the SPFL that people are now now asking questions um, and I think you've seen that with a lot of the statements coming from other clubs so um, I think Rangers will look back on it of course slightly disappointed they didn't get more support and didn't get ultimately what they wanted um, but I actually think they've made they've made a bit of progress I think they've shone a light on certain things within the SPFL and how it works that will now make clubs around the country be a lot more, uh, a lot more diligent, a lot more wary of what goes on um, within the kind of the, the hierarchy. Um, and in terms of Rangers' statement, I actually thought they got the tone of the statement quite right. Um, I know that obviously people will jump on that last line. You no, know, the status quo will not hold. I think that will just be a long term. Uh, no, kind of long-term issue for Rangers. Clearly, they want change at the top of the SPFL. I don't expect them to give up that fight, uh, despite the result of this vote. But I think they'll be, or I certainly hope they'll be, you no, know, quite measured about it. No, I think they'll take their time. I think they'll look at. No, I think there are other moves to make, but I don't think this is the right time to make them in the immediate aftermath um, of this result. I think it'll be a long-term thing. I don't think there's any harm in Rangers continually chipping away, no, at trying to get proper governance at, at SPFL level. Um, so there are other battles uh, to be had further down the line, but I thought they they get the tone of the statement um, quite right, and I think they'll now kind of take their time looking at other options. But as we all know, that at this precise moment in time, there are other priorities um, in the game. No, both at, the, at no, for Rangers as a club and also for Scottish football, um, there are other priorities that we need to go on with for now. Mark, on that, the status quo cannot hold comment that came out of Rangers. Clearly, that's an allusion towards Murdoch, McLennan, Neil Doncaster and the legal counsel of the SPFL, Rod McKenzie. That is clearly what they are aiming towards, given they've already asked for two of those three's resignations. Do you believe that in six months' time, all three of those people will be in those positions still at the SPFL? And if not, why not? Uh, no, I, th- I think there might be some sort of change along the way. I think 
there might be some sort of agreement needs made uh, between Rangers, the relegated clubs like Hearts and that who are unhappy as well, and then the leadership at the SBFL to try and get some sort of deal to move past all of this. Uh, I think at any other stage, that maybe the, this resolution might have had more support, but clubs are too worried about just surviving this crisis to put money into that sort of investigation that would cost an awful lot of money. Uh, so I think that eventually there probably will be something changes, but it won't be right now or anytime soon while they try and get football back. Yeah, Scott, that's been the overwhelming point that's been made over and over again. This is an existential crisis. You know, it's like in Game of Thrones, they're all arguing about who's going to sit on that spiky iron throne when in the north there is this horrible force coming over the wall towards them <laughs> to destroy the whole thing. You know, I've, I've, never, <laughs> wa- I've never watched an episode of the Game of Thrones in my life. Oh, so I'll, take your, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, me neither, Scott. It's just, I've never seen it. Absolute garbage. You guys are cultural ingrates. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) um, Johnny, I think. think You know what I'm getting at. There's a sense there that that there's a bigger issue. But but does that. Is it it fair to say that when. There's a lot of time on people's hands at the moment. Could you deal with both, both things at the same time? Yeah, I think they could. And I think at times that that has been used as a bit of a. A red herring in terms of everyone, of course, everyone accepts you know, with the coronavirus. That has to be the number one priority. I mean, we're all living through this. I mean, we're no daft. That is a, it's a major problem, you no, know, for everyone in the country. Uh, no, no, just in football and every every walk of life. So of course that that has to be the priority. But to to fob everything else off and say, listen, we need to forget about this and concentrate on getting football back. You know, we should be putting all our efforts into it. I mean, I'm sorry, but I mean, the the football governing bodies won't be the you no know, won't have the final say on when the game comes back. They'll be led by government and medical people and, and whatever else. So, so at the you know, the real heart of this debate for people to say, listen, we need to forget about this and concentrate. I'm not sure that's a hundred percent. Right, I think for Scottish football to move on as a whole, when we eventually do get back playing, surely it's important to get the the governance of the league, um, get it back into a proper a proper state. Um, and clearly, as we've highlighted, no, there is a full division worth of teams in the SPFL who who are not happy uh, at how the SPFL's being run. So. That that's still going to be the case when football eventually uh, gets back on its feet again and gets going again. So it's going to be an issue uh, that will need to be dealt with. Um, but but I just mean it in terms of the the aftermath of the vote, you know, purely from Rangers' perspective and I suppose from other clubs' perspectives who voted for the, the independent inquiry. You know, once the result is out, I do think you need to accept that, certainly initially. Um, and now, in the midst of this, uh, in the midst of this crisis, no, I think you need to put it in the back burner for a wee while until until the game gets going again. Scott, just on that, three of the four biggest clubs in Scotland voted for an independent investigation: yep. Rangers, Aberdeen, and Hearts. Now, the only other one of the big four that didn't is Celtic. That, yeah. to me, is the key thing. How can you continue? as if nothing's happened, 
when yeah. three of the four biggest clubs in the game are looking to see a serious investigation Change. shining yeah. a light on everything that's going on and obviously the potential ramifications of that. Nobody would uh, nobody would say that it's a, it's a done deal given the, the, and the Rangers dossier was probably more focused on questions than evidence. Yeah. Um, but, the, but at the same time, there were a heck of a lot of questions in that dossier that yeah. I think people would want answers to. But, but given that those four are, those three, sorry, are such big players. Does that not make Doncaster in particular's position more difficult in the long term? I think it does. I agree with you, and I, I agree with Mark that I think in the long term, you know, you're asking in six months' time, will they all be in a job? I think you no, know, there will be some changes at uh, at the top level in the SPFL. Whether that's one of the guys you mentioned. No, almost being a kind of sacrificial lamb and all of this to to show people that you no, know, the league are doing something. They t- Not sure we should be talking about lamb on a on a <laughs> podcast about Scottish football journalism. To be honest, yeah, maybe not. Uh, no, I think it would show that you no, know, the SPFL have taken it seriously. Um, I did think no, I did think during this whole thing that. No, at certain points, it looked like Neil Doncaster's position in particular looked untenable. I've not really changed my, my view on that. I think there's enough there that was highly questionable. Um, so he might be the one uh, that, that, that suffers long term. I mean, you're talking about the you know, the clubs, three of the biggest uh, clubs in the country. And you're right. I suppose you know, the flip side of that is it's probably unfortunate for... Rangers and Hearts at this time that they're no really no challenging it from a, a position of strength and by that I mean obviously Rangers are second in the table so there will always be accusations thrown at them that no they're only on this crusade because it's no it's against the authorities it's against Celtic it's to try and no stop Celtic getting no being handed a, a title whether you believe that or no that will always that was always going to be thrown at them. And the same with Hearts, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the country, arguably the third biggest club in the country in terms of the support. But unfortunately for them, they're sitting bottom of the league and about to be to be relegated. And I think in any walk of life, when you're going to challenge authority, um, when you're going to put a case forward and you know, make arguments for a certain a certain thing, it helps when you're doing it for a, for a position of strength. I, I don't think you can underestimate that. And unfortunately, no, particularly Hearts, that's certainly not the case at the minute. And as I've said before on here, I think that was always going to be Rangers' problem in challenging this. Is did, no, did they have enough support from elsewhere around Scotland? As I said earlier, I think they have made progress on that front, but ultimately it just, it just wasn't enough. Mark, the next step is going to be quite clearly uh, a calling of the top flight. There, there's no way around it that football is not going to be played in Scotland. It doesn't have the same impetus that you have in the Bundesliga or in the Premier League to get things started in what is an extraordinarily difficult situation to play any kind of sport. So I think that means in the coming days we're going to see a Celtic title. The question I have for you on that front, how will this title fit into the larger history books of Scottish football. Do you believe that Celtic should be um, awarded this? Do you think they should have an asterisk? Uh, an, an asterisk, sorry, asterisk. <laughs> I've done it again. I keep doing it. 
Obelisk will be here to, to join us. I'm, I'm delighted that you've got me back on the podcast to ask me a question like this. Uh, <laughs> well, I think I think it really just depends what side of the fence you're on. Uh, Celtic fans are always going to claim it as part of their nine as a row. Uh, Rangers fans are going to say that it's tainted and all the rest of it. And I think I've said from the start that I think the title should probably be awarded to Celtic on the basis that they're so far in front. If you're doing it with the likes of Dundee United, then fair enough. But I can understand the point that it's not necessarily won yet. Uh, I think Rangers are probably weakened in their argument against it and the fact that the likes of Gerrard and whoever else came out and said two months ago that the league's over uh, before football was put into lockdown. Uh, of course, I'm not sure that teams should be awarded titles. If, if The way I see it is, if you're going to complain about teams getting relegated before the season's over, then I don't see how you can also then say that titles should be given out before the season's over. But, you know, it's been decided. It's going to be called in the coming days, I would imagine, given uh, that the clubs have decided on it. So, Celtic are going to get the title. I would personally think that it's not as guaranteed as previous nine in a row titles, like Celtic's own one and Rangers one, but they've got it, they've every right to claim it now. And I, yeah, I just don't see how you can argue against it when they're so far in front. Scott, I know it's a hot button topic that will likely make you receive <laughs> great swaths of uh, social media comment, but you've certainly said before that you, <laughs> you've certainly said before that you you believe a Celtic title this season would have an asterisk there. Is that something that you've changed your mind on, on reflection? I mean, I look at the league table there, 13 points clear. Yes, there is eight games to go for Celtic and nine for Rangers. But do any of us have any doubt that Celtic would indeed lift that title at the end of the season? No, listen, if you'd assessed us just before the, no, the season... Oh, the, the game stopped. No, who's going to win the league? We'd all said Celtic are absolutely odds on. I think no, I think every Rangers fan would have probably accepted that it was all over. No, given Rangers kind of disastrous run of form uh, going into the you know, just after the new year. So, listen, if it comes to it, no, as you say, they're going to they're going to give the title to Celtic. Uh, other countries have kind of called the season and no made the the team our top champions. I don't think there's there's much you can do about it. You just need to accept it, um, whether it's right or wrong. I agree with Matt. I just I've said from the beginning, I'm just a wee bit uncomfortable with with handing out trophies and titles when uh, when something hasn't been hasn't been won. I don't think I'll ever I'll ever kind of sway for that. Um, it's the same with the relegation. I mean how I mean how you can relegate Hearts and particularly Partick Thistle, which is arguably the most tragic story of all. Uh, no, sitting with a game in hand, I think one or two points behind at the bottom. Um, it just seems ridiculous. Um, in terms of whether it'll have an asterisk, I mean, I agree with Mark. It's a debate and an argument that will go on between all firm fans you know, to the end of time. Uh, it doesn't really have a physical asterisk beside it. It'll be people that just look back fans will look back, Celtic fans will look back on this period and think there was well nine in a row or ten in a row or whatever uh, without without question. Rangers fans will obviously look back and say, no, that was the years, even before this season, no, that was the years that Rangers 
weren't in the top flight. Uh, then they'll look at this year and say, yeah, well, that was, you know, they claim to have won nine in a row, but the season was never finished. You no know, Rangers still had games to play, so it will go on and on and on. Um, there's no real right answer to it, but I think, as you said at the start, you know, I think everybody's pretty much accepted after everything that's happened. We're not going to get any football before the start of next season, uh, whenever that might, uh, whenever that might even begin. So they're going to call it. I think it'll probably be the end of this week. If if not the end of this week, it'll be the start of next week. And Celtic will be crowned champions. Um, in terms of the points gap, it's difficult to argue against the fact that they would have went on and won it relatively comfortably. Um, but that argument as to whether it's tainted or not will go on long after long after we're gone. It's something I really dread because it means it gives me another 10 years or so of uh, getting the, the words wrong and talking about an, a, a sort of comic book rather than what the <laughs> word actually means. So, yeah, that's one that I hope we can put to bed at some point. But I think uh, you're probably right there, Scott. It's uh, destined to run and run. Right. Now, we're going to move on to your questions. And by Jove, we've got a few to get through. So... Let's get started. Um, we've got one from Nick Hickman. Mark, looking forward to next season, which player who's out on loan deserves a spot in the team? Nick references Jamie Murphy, Ross McCrory and Greg Doherty as being potentially improvements over some that are currently in the squad. I think of those three, that Ross McCrory's probably got the best chance. Uh, he offers something different to what Rangers have especially midfield, uh, and also could follow it right back and centre-back as well. But the other two, I just, as much as I would like to see them get a chance, I just can't imagine them getting a run in the team. I just, Greg Doherty started off all right when he went to Hibs. Uh, the last few games, he wasn't quite as good. Is he any better than Ryan Jack, Joe Rebo? I mean, he was there for six months at the start of the season and couldn't even get on the bench most weeks. So I'd be very surprised if he is one that, got a chance under Gerard next season. Murphy's, I suppose, is slightly different in that he was injured for so long uh, and he's done all right down it. Uh, but I mean, and it, it really depends on the shape that Rangers go with with him because obviously if they continue with these two inside Teds, then Murphy doesn't really fit into that. But well, I think that, that would be more naturally poised towards Jamie Murphy's game. You know, He's not the quickest. He's not going to go past a guy with, with sheer power and pace on... on the wide areas, so get him inside where he can use his guile, his intelligence, his movement to cause a little bit more problems. And, and, and Jamie Murphy can pick a pass and he can find the net. So for me, I don't know, Scott, do you agree with me or Mark on that one? Uh, difficult, Johnny. I mean, we all three of them. Uh, I actually don't think Ross McCrory will come back and be able to get into that Rangers team. Uh, I think he'll probably need to go elsewhere. He's did okay at Port, uh, Portsmouth, obviously, but I think I think he'll struggle, and it might even go against him the fact that he, he plays in you know, a couple of different positions without actually nailing it. I mean, when he went to Portsmouth, um, everybody was saying he's not a right back, and yet, you no, know, Kenny Jackett's decided that is his his best position. So, I think it'll be difficult for him. The other two, I'm just not sure. I mean, with with Doherty or Murphy go straight into a Rangers first team next season. I don't think so, but no, could they could they bring something to the squad? I think you could argue yes, if they're fully fit 
and on forum. I think when you look at Rangers squad just before uh, the shutdown, you know, there were certain guys in that squad. We've, we've went over it so many times. Your Shea Ojo's, Brandon Barker's, to name, to name a couple, who just weren't contributing. And I think when you look at what Murphy and Doherty uh, have produced on loan, I think they'd have been far better far better options. But it's difficult to say. I mean, it'll depend on, obviously, you know, how Steven Gerrard's squad looks at the start of next season, whenever that whenever that might be. Um, obviously, Jamie Murphy's probably at the, the kind of wrong end of his career in terms of age. But Doherty, you know, Doherty's... I think Doherty has something that, that could be of use to Rangers and he's not really been given uh, the opportunity to show that. So I think out of the three, probably he might have the best have the best chance of going back there and, and actually doing something. I think when you look at Doherty, though, that he's, there's probably five, six midfielders in front of him that are at the club just now. I think that counts against them quite a lot. I think you're, I, I think you're right, Matt. But I think it does give you something a bit different. I mean, also Stephen Davis is coming towards the end. He's he's career in terms of age. Um, I don't think Doherty is like a Ryan Jack. I think he's more box to box, more energy. Um, obviously, Aribo is a bit different again. You know, if Hadji comes in, different again. I just think if you're looking at the whole makeup of a squad, Doherty's somebody that could do a they could do a job for you, even if it was like 12, 15 games in a, in a season or appearances or whatever. Um, and it's a shame for Doherty because I think he was beginning to show uh, what he was all about at Hibs and he was going to be a really important player for them towards the end of the season. Um, and he's, no, he's probably got one look. Whenever Rangers players return, no, it's probably going to be his last chance to convince Steven Gerrard that he's worthy uh, he's worthy of con- of contributing to that to that squad, um, but I definitely think he might he might have that chance when he goes back. I think the biggest problem Docker is going to have, lads, is the rigidity of Rangers midfield tactically. They are expected to do a lot of dog work and a lot of covering for the fullbacks. Yeah, but and he, I just he don't can think do that's that, Docherty's. He's, well, he's, 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 he's got the the engine absolutely, uh, but I'm not sure he's got the tactical discipline. Now I might be wrong. I'm just yep. basing it on what I've seen of him, both at Hamilton and at Rangers. For me, he's a guy that likes to have the shackles off, to get up and down, to get forward with a guy who can cover up for him alongside him, a more I, disciplined player. I think the biggest problem for him, Johnny, at Rangers, is probably psychological. And that's not to suggest you know, Greg Docker isn't mentally strong or anything. I just think the games that, he, that he's had for Rangers... In the last couple of years, it's been so evident that he's been trying too hard on the pitch and he's made mistakes. And as you say, he's probably made runs that he didn't have to make, but he's just been so eager to impress and try and make a mark. And I think you've seen a difference in him going to Hibs when, of course, there's, you know, there's pressure going to play Easter Road and big games for Hibs, but nothing like you know, what, what he would feel as a Rangers supporter going and playing going and playing for Rangers, you no, know, after getting that getting that move. I think if he gets his head round that and if Gerald can work with him on that in that regard, then you no, know, he could become a, a decent player for Rangers. But no, it's gonna be it's gonna be up to him. It's gonna be depending on what Gerard's thinking and who he brings in midfield wise, um, in the next window, whenever that might be. But I definitely think he's got a chance. 
Mark, I gave you the last tough one, so I'm going to throw this one Scott's way, uh, just very briefly, because we kind of touched on it last week, but I think it's important we don't uh, skip over it. Crazy Horses asked, have recent events really been about corporate governance, or is there a subtext that journalists may be aware of? I think this is a, a suggestion with regards to perhaps Rangers operating at a level where they want to move certain people out of the SPFL potentially because of perceived influences um, yeah. that the club might have or might not have any more that they maybe had in the past. No, I think you're right. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know if I'd describe it as a subtext, but I think Rangers feel that the change has to happen at the top of the, the SPFL. I think. No, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn by saying. No, Rangers behind the scenes probably feel that for too long, no, with Celtic's dominance on the pitch, no, that they probably have had a had an influence uh, at league level, whether that be Peter Lawwell or no. Uh, Rod McKenzie or, or whoever that might be, they've obviously got a grievance against Murdo McLennan as well over the alleged remarks he made uh, against Rangers and, and Rangers supporters in a, in a kind of previous life. So, of course, if you want to call that a subtext, then then fine. But I think ultimately, as you know, as time wore on during this whole saga uh, and as different things started to emerge. Well, I think you need to say Rangers were justified in asking questions, particularly over the the processes involved in the in the botched vote that that, that, that took place. Um, I don't think anybody can argue with that. I think Neil Doncaster himself has said that mistakes were made. So, no, to suggest that it's completely it's not about governance and it's about Celtic and it's about getting rid of him. And no, I think that might be a wee bit harsh. Okay, I've got another one here from at Billy Para Two, and he's put here's two, and bet you don't acknowledge it. Well, Billy, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Mark McDougall's getting this one fired directly towards him. Why can't Rangers engage with the rest of Scottish football for the betterment of the game here? I mean, I th- I Is that a fair have. comment? Uh, no, I think they have been with us trying to get the independent investigation. I mean, you could argue that it's the other clubs who have seen the dossier, who have seen the, the fact that the SPFL did tell about the liabilities with TV deals, etc., that are working for the better of the game. Uh, you could argue that Rangers are one of the few teams that are now trying to get more transparency for fans and all the rest of it with this independent investigation. I don't think it's fair to say that they're not working for the betterment of the game. Uh, I definitely think they're trying to improve it in some way, whether They've went about it the right way every time, is another argument, but I think they've definitely worked with clubs to try and prove it. Yeah, Scott, you don't get a third of clubs voting for a resolution that you put forward unless there has been a little bit of canvassing and working with with other people. No, I think... uh... I think that's exactly what they're trying to do is engage engage with other clubs to, for the betterment of Scottish football because I think I've said it before on here and uh, I said in a column a few weeks ago in the Sunday Mail is that that was Rangers' biggest challenge since 2012 you know, when Rangers had their financial implosion and everything that came as a result of that 
I think there was a real disconnect between Rangers and other and other clubs, you know, largely due to the you know, the people who were running Rangers at the time and, and everything that, that followed on for that. Um I think there was a lot of hatred, a lot of resentment um from other clubs and their fans towards Rangers and they will argue that, that was that was right at the time. You no, know, could Rangers have dealt with have dealt with that better in the years that followed? Maybe so, but I think now the current Rangers regime they seem to me pretty determined to, to re-engage with, with clubs and I think if you'd have said a few weeks ago that Rangers would have had the support uh, that they got for this uh, for this resolution, independent investigation well, I think a lot of people would, would have said it was impossible but as you said earlier, to get clubs like Aberdeen and Hearts on board as well as some of the lower league clubs um, as I, I think they have made some progress on that in that regard, um, and it was going. To, it was always going to be a long, a long road for Rangers to, you know, to get to that point again, and to feel as if they had some influence, uh, the kind of top level in, in Scottish football. And I think that, you know, that challenge is still is still there for them. But they've certainly made uh, they've certainly made inroads in the last few weeks. Okay, now we're going to move on to a football poser now from John Ward McLeod. Now, guys, there's been a bit of time and space between the last game of football that we've seen, which was obviously Rangers against Leverkusen, but also a fair bit of time has gone since the the winter break, the already infamous winter break to Dubai. John's asking, do you think the the Rangers post-winter break collapse was down to, and he's given us four things, Dubai, a lack of bottle, coaching issues or he's put honest mistakes so I'm, I'm going to assume he means refereeing mistakes because there were a number of mistakes <laughs> that took place in games uh, after the winter break involving Rangers Mark what is your overall feeling now with a few months to ruminate on the issues that took place and then the poor form that Rangers had where do you think Stephen Gerrard will pinpoint the issue being I think it's hard to just pinpoint one issue. I think there's been a few along the way. Obviously, whatever happened in Dubai didn't go perfectly, whether that's just the short time they were over there that doesn't really take take the body time to get used to being over there, then coming back different time zones and all the rest of it. Uh, whether it was the fact that Alfredo Morales seemed to lose all confidence following it. Uh, I think he's probably unfortunate with his confidence as well and that he had a couple of goals that shouldn't have been ruled out, ruled out. And then his stats look a lot different. Uh, You're filing that under the honest mistakes. <laughs> I like the word genuine mistakes. Nothing, yeah. Nothing uh, dodgy with it or anything. But um, I think he was unfortunate with that. Rangers in general have been unfortunate with a couple of mistakes by referees, but also mistakes by their own players as well, like Conor Goldson against Hamilton and stuff like that. I don't think you could just blame referees for the fact that the players haven't done it enough. Uh, I don't think Bottle is really it. I mean, I think they've showed Bottle a few times this season, especially even if you look after the break, the likes of Braga to come back from two goals down and win 3-2 at Ibrox and then go over there and hold on to the lead shows a bit of Bottle. Uh, I think as well, maybe the fact, speaking about the likes of Greg Dorty and Jamie Murphy going out alone earlier, I think losing them from the squad and training probably didn't help either because with players like that, 
be nowhere near the squad. Shows the level of intensity that was at training, and I don't think maybe it was the same after the winter break. Would you lose players like that? Uh, and there wasn't really. That, that's an interesting. That, that that's a really interesting point, Mark. That's something we discussed probably earlier because it wasn't just those three. It was players like Andy King as well who departed, and that big squad that Gerard had built, which was designed to cover the the ups and downs of both the Scottish campaign and a European campaign as well seemed to fall apart a little bit in terms of allowing players to leave. And, and that seemed like a deliberate strategy. They wanted a tighter squad um, where there was less choice for Steven Gerrard to make, less players mumping and moaning probably about being in the, the squad or in the first team on the sideline. But Scott, is that a double-edged sword as we found that kind of having yeah. those players on the sideline desperately trying to get into the team is also beneficial in some ways? I think certain mistakes were made, Johnny. I think Stephen Gerrard would probably admit to that. Um, I think I said at the time the biggest mistake with Murphy and Doherty, you know, to pick those two, where that they didn't go out and loan at the start of the season and get get the six months of football at places like Burton and Hibs to then come back in January and, and actually bolster Rangers squad as opposed to, you no. Know, both of them sitting around doing nothing for, for six months and then Rangers losing them for the squad and maybe losing a wee bit of that intensity and com- competitive edge that Mark's talking about for, for training. So I think mistakes were made. Um, in terms of Dubai, I think enough people have said now, players, coaches, whoever, that Dubai was absolutely fine and you, know, you can't blame anything that happened over there on the, the collapse. I think you need to take I think you need to take people at Jermaine Defoe's word for that and accept that that wasn't the problem. Um, I need to stick by my guns and you know, if I remember rightly what I said at the time, I just think it came down to it came down to mentality uh, after that after that winter break. I think when Rangers went to Celtic Park on the 29th, when you look at that performance and you look at the celebrations that followed it. To me, it looked as if those Rangers players felt that they, you know, we've, we've done it. We've, we've reached that point where we wanted to get to. Um, you know, we've went to Celtic's own backyard, beat them convincingly. We've got a game in hand that if we win, we go top of the league. It was almost like, you know, as I say, they, they'd achieved it, they'd done it. And when they came back after that break, they just couldn't get going again. Suddenly there was pressure on their shoulders uh, to go and no, stay in that position. I don't think it helped that they didn't have the game in hand um, where they could go top. That might have just gave them you know, that wee bit extra belief to, to go and stay there. But I think ultimately that pressure of being of being up there, everything that was expected of them after that after that Parkhead game, I don't think they could handle that. I don't think they were strong enough mentally to deal with that. Um, and performances suffered as a result. Yeah, okay. That's uh, I think that's a, a fair summation. I mean, Mark, do you think Stephen Gerrard himself will have gone away and had a decent think about how things have gone wrong over that period and what he needs to do to fix them for next year? Because no doubt about it, next year is potentially the most important season in the history of the club, certainly the recent history, um, given what's at stake you know, that that uh, potential for 10 in a row, um, regardless of, of whether or not fans will say that 
the nine has an asterisk and that needs to be considered, there will still be a hell of a lot of hype and a feeling that there is a desperation in the club to stop the, the bragging rights element of that from, from happening. Do you I think, think Stephen Gerrard will, will, will be looking in detail at what went wrong and, and where do you think he'll be pinpointing the issues? I, th- I think, to start with, Rangers just need to forget about Celtic's terror role and just focus on themselves. Uh, I think Jermaine Defoe said something similar the other day when he was in one of his interviews that he doesn't care about stopping Celtic's terror role, he just cares about making history for Rangers. I think that's the way Rangers need to look at it. I think maybe at times over the last couple of seasons they have been more focused on stopping Celtic rather than just improving Rangers. Uh, but on the Gerrard question, I do think that him and the likes of Michael Beale and Gary McAllister will have been doing a lot of work over the last couple of months to try figure out what went wrong. Uh, I think if you listen to any of Gerrard's interviews with Rangers TV or TalkSport or whoever else he spoke to over the last couple of weeks, it's clear that he has been doing a lot of work. Uh, I think in particular, I think it was one of the Rangers TV interviews where he spoke about uh, trying to find new players with Ross Wilson. The fact that he speaks to Ross Wilson a couple of times a day to try sort things out shows how much work he's putting into it. Uh, whether he's going to be able to get the answers, because I'm not sure anyone can really pinpoint just why it went so badly wrong after Christmas is a different matter, but he's definitely clearly been putting the work in to try sort it. And whether it happens is a different argument altogether, because I think next season will define Gerrard's managerial career as well as anything else. I don't think there's any chance that he could go a third year without silverware, without stopping Celtic uh, to then go on and achieve his dream of managing Liverpool. But that's, I, I definitely think on, on the question that he'll be putting in a lot of work over the last couple of months to, to figure it out. OK, I think this is probably the most pertinent question of the lot so far. Scott McDermott, have you watched Tiger King yet? <laughs> I have, uh, on your recommendation, Johnny, and the... Recommendations we got on Twitter. I did watch it. Uh, what was your verdict? Very, very entertaining. I enjoyed it. Uh, some man, the bold Joey. <laughs> I loved the 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 bit that uh, I couldn't believe. Was remember the bit when? But I think it was the guy that came into the park after him had put the they put like perfume or that on his shoes or aftershave in his shoes. <laughs> then he went in with the he went in with the tiger or the lion. Unbelievable. Yeah. So no, now it's a very good watch, but I'll not be watching yeah. Game of Thrones. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> he got sort of dragged around the tiger cage, but with his foot, didn't he? Um, Aye, it's amazing. It, it was quite terrifying. Uh, and Carol Baskin, Scott, what's your what's your verdict? Oh, very suspicious, it hard, Johnny. Very <laughs> <Yeah>. suspicious. <laughs> Oops, there, did you enjoy a, Tiger King? Has her ex-husband uh, been found yet? I've not actually watched it. You've not watched it. Make it happen. It's it's <laughs> definitely recommended, as Scott says. Um, right, moving on to the next question. We've got someone calling us a succulent potato there. I thought that's worth uh, worth mentioning, but whatever that means, I'm not quite sure. Um, okay, one from uh, Ewan Kears. He's asked, what position in the team needs strengthening to challenge for the title? And do Rangers have the quality and depth required for it? Now, Scott, I think we should focus on the, the, the front here, the front three or the, the front five, however you want to talk about the attacking players yeah. in the team. Um, because we're, we're going to see Shea Ojo depart back to Liverpool. I don't get the sense that that's 
once again, that's the police coming for Scott happens every single podcast. Um, I don't get the sense that Shiojo will be hanging around. No. Uh, so, so with that in mind, there's a position there opened up. You've got potentially Jamie Murphy coming back, as we've already discussed. But let's be honest, it's that front area that is the difference between Rangers and Celtic at the moment. People have issues with the defence. They have issues with the midfield, of course. But fundamentally, it's Celtic's power in these areas. It's their ability to chalk up goals and assists yeah. that has made the difference in winning that title or getting over the line in that title. What's your take on where he has to strengthen? Well, they, they need. We've spoken about it before, John. They need a proven uh, star performer to play in the, the right hand side. They're up front three. Um, now, obviously, they'll be a bit interchanging. Ryan Kent, you'd imagine, would be the other side when Gerrard's picking a first eleven. Um, and I suppose he's got to rely. He's got to have faith in Kent. He's paid big money for him. So in terms of numbers, he's got to have faith that. No, Kent will start to produce bigger and better uh, numbers next next season in terms of goals and assists. But they need somebody on the other side. You're right, Barker. Eh, well, Barker's got a contract, so he, he probably will still be there. But Ojo will be gone. There are obviously question marks over the likes of uh, Murphy and, and Barker and people like that. No, he tried Joe Aribo on that right-hand side. Didn't quite work out. I've said before, I think they should... Uh, they should push the boat out to get Hadji, but I would hope that if they do get him, he isn't shoved out onto the right-hand side as part of that front three because I think all his best work is done centrally. I think he's a guy that can have a real influence in that Rangers team from a central position um, as part of that midfield, as part of that midfield three. Um, but clearly the right-hand side of the, of the front three is, is an issue and I'd imagine that would be the no, that would be the key area that he's looking to strengthen. Um, in terms of centre-forward, I think he probably needs to get a striker, whether Morelos stays or goes. He'll still need another striker. I, I, I don't see that as being Flo Camberry. I don't know if he's did enough, uh, if he's done enough to, to merit Rangers getting in and taking him permanently. And certainly if Morelos was to go then that would be the key area because they need to somehow find a find a replacement for his for his goals and performances. So listen, there's plenty for Steven Gerrard and, and Ross Wilson to be getting to be getting in about during this during this break. And as Mark Touchstone we've said before, I think Gerrard will use this break very wisely to look you not know, to look at that squad to realise where where he needs to strengthen, how they need to get better, what's required to, to take that next step. Um, so there's plenty of work for them to do. Mark, do you agree with the proposition that it's the attacking areas that need work? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's clear that they need somebody out of that right hand side that never really worked with. I mean, how many players played out there this season? Yeah. Arfield, Aribo, uh, Hadji. They all tried it out there. None of them really worked. Uh, but I think a, a big thing with, with uh, Rangers compared to Celtic is that Celtic have so much strength and depth that if players like Ryan Christie, Cal McGregor, even Edwards miss out, then they've got countless players that could come in and you don't really miss them that much. Whereas if Rangers, it showed with Morelos being off form, there's nobody that could come in and just do it the exact same way. Whereas with Celtic, when Edwards was missing, Griffiths was scoring goals and vice versa. So... 
Mark, you just need to look at James Forrest as a prime example in that, right? I mean, some Celtic fans criticise James Forrest. Some Scotland fans don't think he's quite up to it. But his numbers and his performances and what he's achieved, no, yeah. is incredible. Just so established, you know what you're getting <clears throat> pretty much every week. You know, Rangers for a number of reasons just haven't haven't had that, and somehow they need to find, you know, they need to find that I can, uh, you know, guys that are going to settle into positions and really produce. Um, I think Kent, you no, know, will be ready to do that, or you would hope they'd be ready to do that next season. But they need somebody else on the other side. I mean, you're right, when you compare the numbers to Forrest and Christie and McGregor, it, it doesn't stack up for Rangers, and that's where that, that's where Gerard's going to have his work cut out. I think the other thing as well is that over the last couple of seasons, Rangers have had such a big turnover with players that yeah. others don't settle. Whereas guys like, like you said, you know what you're going to get with Forrest every week. You know yeah. what you're going to get with Cal McGregor. You just don't have that in the Rangers team where you're... You've had players there for three, four years where you're guaranteed seven out of yeah. ten every week. That's that's why I think it's important that they go they go and get Hadji on a permanent deal, no, a long term contract. You know he's going to be there for the next three or four years at least, and you can really mould him into that you no know, attacking midfielder who's going to produce goals and assists. Uh, I think that'll be. I know we've spoke about the financial implications of. Uh, Know, coronavirus and what it might do in terms of Rangers kind of spending power, but for me, I think Gerard will be so keen to to get to get Hadji in the door permanently. Yeah, I think he's got to be the the number one target as well. We've got a question here from Rangers Banter Seventeen, and he's posing something about Stephen Davis at thirty five. Is he the man to anchor? that Rangers midfield, or does he need replaced? You'd potentially be looking at a sort of Glenn Kamara basis to the midfield, guys. Mark, do you think that is a a goer? I mean, he's not getting any younger, but Stephen Davis throughout the season was was pretty solid. Yes, he did have a, a dip in his form like everyone else after the January, but after the uh, January break, but is it fair to say that he's potentially... His place is potentially up for grabs just because he's had a poor little spell. I think all the older players in the team have are probably at risk, given they've been not been able to kick a ball for the last two months. By the time they will, it'll be five, six months. So when you get to the ages of the likes of Davis, Defoe, even Al McGregor, if you're not playing every week, then you lose all your match fitness even quicker. Uh, I think that showed with Davis when he came in Tybrook's last January, and it took him what four or five months to get up to, up to speed with the rest of the squad. Uh, I don't think Glenn Kamara is a replacement for him uh, at all. Uh, I think the difference in the two of them is how many times a season do you see Glenn Kamara get the ball in a deep position and then just not look where he's going and just give the ball away completely. Uh, you don't get that with Davis. I just think there's a different mentality between the two of them. Uh, I'm not sure who would be a replacement for Davis, I think you're probably more likely to go back into somebody like Ryan Jack, but again, it just depends how they come back from this break. Uh, whether he's still got the legs to keep going for another season, I think he probably does, uh, but they're going to start looking at replacements at some point, and it's got to be between the likes of Jack, a change of... Obviously, Ross McCrory's a very different kind of holding midfielder, uh, 
but there's not that many options within the Rangers squad to replace him. I definitely think I definitely think we need to add a bit of power into the midfield, Johnny. Uh, whoever that might be, I'm no I'm not too sure. I mean Stephen Davis it'll be a dilemma for Stephen Gerrard because when you watch Davis at Celtic Park on the twenty ninth, I thought it was one of the best games he's ever played for Rangers in that holding role and you expected him to really kick on for the rest of the season, you no, know, and really dominate in that area and it just didn't happen you know, like a lot of the players they came back after the winter break and I thought he looked looked off the pace wasn't wasn't at it I mean I know you could label that at a lot of them but he was certainly one that was really really disappointing um, and I think a lot of Rangers fans will now be wondering whether it was the right move by Gerard to, to get Davis and Defoe on you no know, extended contracts Given their, given their age, um, they'll obviously be there next season. I'm sure they'll have a part to play, but I just wonder now. You know, we're talking about Steven Gerrard going away and assessing things and looking at what he needs. Um, I wonder how big a part Davis and Defoe will play on the pitch next season. I think they'll have a big role to play off the pitch because I think we all know that they're brilliant characters, guys that you'd want around a dressing room. They've been there and done it in terms of experience. Um, but in terms of what Rangers are going to need next season, I, I wonder about how much football they're going to play because I think Gerard might go about things a bit, a bit differently. You think more of a more power, Scott? More Yeah, I think mo- more power, more energy, um, you know, more pace if they can. Um, I just think, listen again. We're, well, I'm saying, I'm saying Davis was terrific in in the old Firm game, but you no, know, you need to look at the performances after that when they really needed to kick on, uh, and I think they just lacked that that bit of energy, um, that bit of power in the midfield that would get them through games. I think Davis lacked that. Kamara certainly lacked that. He'll probably lacked it for most of the most of the season. Um, I just wonder. I'm not listen. Gerard will still see Defoe and Davis as two really valuable members of the squad. But will they be first picks next season for Rangers? Get into a season where they need to you know, they need to try and stop ten in a row. I'm not sure. I think he'll maybe you no. Know, maybe want to go a bit a wee bit younger, a wee bit more energy and power, as we as we spoke about. Uh, and those two might be, you know, as I say, they'll still play their part, but I don't think, I think at the turn of the year, people thought they were going to be, they were going to be pivotal to anything Rangers did. And they might have been, if we were still talking about this season, but next season might be, you no, know, it might be a stretch for them. Well, okay, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. I suppose conversely, it could uh, the break could be really, really good for players, but it will uh, it will be down to a number of factors, I suppose, and time will tell. Well, we've gone from Game of Thrones to corporate governments to Tiger King and then back to veteran players. So we really have f- covered the full gamut of issues today on the Record Rangers podcast. If you want to touch upon anything that we've discussed in detail, you can obviously get us on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott A and Dukes, what are you at again? Remind me. Uh, McDougall1994. Well, there you go. McDougall1994 to give Mark the full benefit of any wisdom that you may wish to impart towards him. <laughs> you can obviously do us a massive favour by going onto iTunes and giving us a five-star review. 
as this helps it get to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening.